0: Welcome to Beliefs of the Heart Weekly Reflection. I'm Sam Williamson, and today we're discussing... When Success Fails 25 years ago, a client of mine became president of his company. It happened through a fluke. He was a mid-level manager. Some good luck and a couple of coincidences. And he was very humble about the promotion. He told me, it was just God's grace. I hadn't wanted it. I didn't deserve it. And I had never tried for it. God Just dropped it in my lap. But a couple years later, he began to attribute his promotion to his hard work and brilliant insights. He even complained that his advancement had been delayed too long by bosses who didn't appreciate him. He fired anyone who disagreed with him. He felt his genius was needed elsewhere and anywhere, and he was glad to offer it. He convinced the high school to change football coaches because he knew a better way to coach, though he had never played an organized sport in his life. He became head elder at his church and bullied them into adopting a better Bible translation, though he had never studied Greek or Hebrew, or even Latin. He once scowled in anger when a friend told him his zipper was unzipped. I literally witnessed it. And he sent his dental hygienist home in tears when she suggested he begin flossing. The slightest correction was met by him with red-faced fury. Success turned a wonderful human being into an incorrectable, wrathful, know-it-all. We all fail the easiest test. Several years ago, I was a novice writer when I wrote an article about Sunday school problems. It went mini-viral for me with over half a million reads. People began to ask for my writing advice and I liked it. I enjoyed the spotlight. I began to wonder if my guidance might possibly save the world. I was frankly surprised and a bit disappointed that NASA hadn't called me for advice about their solid-fuel rockets. I had, after all, written a pretty successful blog about Sunday school. We are great at hiding our pride on the outside, but inwardly, we secretly applaud our own brilliance when our kids behave better than our neighbor's kids. We don't worry about the future like our other friends who constantly fret. We don't talk about ourselves unceasingly like so many others. Our bodies are thinner and more fit than our colleagues. Of the two tests of God, adversity versus achievement or failure versus success, we handle difficulties better than victories. Hardship drives us to God, whereas accomplishments drive us to self-congratulations. Success goes to our head and has a party. Failure goes to our heart and gives a chance at humility. The empty desert and the rich vineyard. When the Israelites were about to enter the promised land after 40 years of adversity, Moses offered them his final advice. Remember how the Lord has led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling and training you. Because the Lord is bringing you to a good land, filled with olive oil and honey. You will eat plenty and lack nothing. But be careful, or you will forget the Lord your God. Otherwise, when you have built beautiful houses, and your cattle and oxen multiply, and your silver and gold increase, then you will become arrogant. You will say to yourselves, I have become wealthy by my own strength and by my own ability. But remember the Lord your God, because He is the one who gives you your abilities. Deuteronomy 8, 2-18 Selected Verses In our poverty, we look to God for mercy. And in our riches, we look to ourselves. I think we all hate the spiritual truth that our lives are better. And therefore, so is the lives of our families and friends and colleagues. But our lives are better because of our adversities. I mean... We, we we read books on humility. We don't grow in it. We listen to sermons on love. We don't grow in it. It's it's always in the fire of adversity that our hearts grow humble, that we kind we just sort of become grace more graceful people. It isn't taught at the university. You can't get a Ph.D. in it through academics. It's always it's always adversity. It's only when we reach the limit of ourselves. I mean, look at when I do something well like I write that blog and you know it just exploded with for me, remember it's exploded with me for a lot of reads. It was it did nothing to make me a more grace, grace, gracious or graceful person, nothing. So I have this quote spiritual mini success. I, I wasn't really as arrogant as the article is, but I make jokes about it because there is a way, if we're successful, we don't walk around with more humility. There, there's a part of us that walks around a little more proud. I pray, you know, pretty much every day, but I never pray with the desperation of a drowning person until I'm over my head, until I am drowning. And it's in the moment of drowning that I become humble, that I become the kind of person you'd actually like to hang around with. And any part of me that's the kind of person you'd want to hang around with grew because of adversity, not because of my hard work, not because of my great studies, not because of all the sermons I listened to. The best part of me has been shaped by difficulty. Chambers famously said, suffering burns up a lot of shallowness in a person. And you know, it's just spiritually true. And there's no greater danger than a lack of humility. I mean, we actually cannot even become a believer without saying we need a savior, which means we've got some humility. And it's it's really weird, but if you notice, gracious Jesus is the one that pushed the commandments. He says, "You've heard it said, don't commit adultery." I say, "Don't even lust." He said, you've heard it said, don't murder. I say, don't even think your brother's a fool. He's taking these commandments and he's pushing, he's pinning us in a corner. He's pinning us down till we cry uncle. But the uncle is really just a kind of humility that says, I need you. I, God, Jesus was creating like an inner adversity as he squeezes these commandments to drive us to need. Because all we really need is need. And we all are in need of humility. Even, I mean, not just the arrogant, but even the most timid. Because you know, Lewis per, Lewis defined pride something like, "Pride is a ruthless, sleepless, unsmiling." I think that's it. Ruthless, sleepless, unsmiling concentration on the self. Pride is the ruthless, sleepless, unsmiling concentration on the self. And whether we're outwardly arrogant, you no. Know, I'm the president of this company, I should be able to run the church, and I should be able to run the high school, whether we're the most outwardly arrogant or we're the most timid, oh, I can't do this, oh my goodness, don't ask me to do that. Both of those have some kind of unsmiling concentration on the self. It's the person who can forget themselves that, that we want to hang around with, honestly. And, and and it's in my moments that I forget myself that my wife can be treated with the most love for me. It's the moment that I forget myself, that my friends enjoy me the most. It's the, moment, it's the moment I forget myself that I enjoy myself the most, except that I'm forgetting myself, so I don't even realize I'm enjoying it. And besides, lack of, well, humility, but lack of humility, but lack of gratitude, which is really what humility is. You know, God is saying to the Israelites, don't remember, don't forget, don't remember, don't forget that I gave you this land. I gave it to you. You're going to walk in and you're going to have houses. You're going to have cattle. You're going to have vineyards. You're going to have uh, grapevines. You're going to have oil, um, olive trees that you didn't plant. You didn't build. I gave it to you. But the lack of humility is really a lack of gratitude. And gratitude is spiritual plagiarism. It's stealing something from God that belongs to him. I think the trick for us is how to handle the ego of success or the numbness of failure. You know, there is a failure Failure doesn't always drive to God, drive us to God. Sometimes it drives us to drink or, you know, or other false comforts. You know, C.S. Lewis, not C.S. Lewis, Chambers quote earlier where he said, suffering burns up a lot of shallowness in a person. He doesn't end it there. He said, suffering burns up a lot of shallowness in a person. He says, but it doesn't always. Meaning if we are deep, not shallow people, we've gone through adversity. But if we've gone through adversity, it doesn't mean we're always humble, How do we become that humble person? I I think the only way to to do it is to remember that if we are rich or moral or smart or popular, even that person, us, the rich, moral, smart, popular person, is so wicked, so sick, so wicked, so broken, so corrupted, that our only hope was the death of God. But even the poorest, the dumbest, the uncoolest, the most out of shape, the most unwithed, the most failed person, God never gave up hope for us. And he died gladly to make us the people we're meant to be. So the gospel needs a humble person, but it also humbles the proud and it lifts up the lowly at the identical time. My comment of the week goes to Pam Spires, who uh, coincidentally I worked with about 20 years ago. She was a client. I never wrote about her, but now I'm mentioning her. And she wrote in response to this article, she said, One of my deepest desires in life has been to sing well, well enough to be on a worship team or in church dramas or solos, but it just wasn't in God's plan. Part of me is saddened that my talent doesn't match my enthusiasm and desire. But another part of me knows that I would have had trouble managing the pride that would accompany that success. So in a way, I think it's been God's grace to give me a love of singing, untainted. I love this. I think it's been God's grace to give me a love of singing, untainted by self-appreciation and praise from others. It's just me and my flawed voice pouring out my heart in praise. I really love that, Pam, thank you very much. And everybody, thanks for joining us. I look forward to seeing you next week, I really do. God bless you, bye. Thanks for listening. Please join us by following this podcast or liking it. And visit our website, beliefsoftheheart.com for more articles, books, videos, podcasts, and courses, all designed to foster intimate theology, deepening a real relationship with the real God Who is there? See you next week.